This is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting. Support for the legislature today is provided by Marshall University. With more than 100 degree programs offered in four locations and online. More about the Marshall family at marshall.edu. Segra, providing fiber based communication solutions. Segra, freedom to grow. More information at segra.com. Good evening from Charleston, I'm Eric Douglas. Tonight, West Virginia Public Broadcasting launches a Friday night series scheduled throughout the 2022 legislative session. The legislature today will update you on the news from the Capitol building. It was an eventful week that got started with legislation passed before the regular session even began with a special session to pass an economic development package. And then Governor Jim Justice announced that he tested positive for COVID-19. That caused him to postpone what would have been his sixth state of the state address. We'll hear from Senate President Craig Blair and House Speaker Roger Hanshaw about their thoughts on the upcoming session. Well, a successful session will be where the House and the Senate and the Governor's Office, we all work together to be able to promote the state of West Virginia. And, and that's from every aspect of we need to be an all-of-the-above energy state. But before we get to that, reporter Liz McCormick is going to wrap up news from the first week of the session. COVID-19 infections among legislative members were top of mind at the start of the 2022 West Virginia legislative session. Both chambers opened their first floor sessions with a prayer for Governor Jim Justice, who had tested positive for the virus on Tuesday night, the eve of the governor's scheduled State of the State address. The governor has since begun feeling better, but during Senate remarks on the first day of the regular session, Senate Finance Chair Eric Tarr of Putnam County and Senate Minority Leader Stephen Baldwin of Greenbrier County asked for prayers and a moment of silence for not just the governor, but also fellow lawmakers and their family members who are sick. I know the governor feels that love and feels those prayers, and I would just ask uh, that uh, we all take a, a moment and offer up prayer for the governor and um, make sure that uh, we ask for his, his health and safety uh, through this experience he's having with COVID. So let's remember our governor, let's remember our, our members, the family members of our members and all those across the state of West Virginia who are dealing with this right now. Uh, and I would also ask that as we take a moment, as we've taken a moment of silence and as we've lifted up our prayers, that we also let our actions be our prayers and we all do our part uh, in, this, in this thing we're all sick of. We're absolutely sick of it but uh, let's all do our part to move on. It has been reported publicly and shared on social media that Senate Education Chair Patricia Rucker's husband has been sick with COVID-19. Vice Chair of Senate Education Roland Roberts of Raleigh County announced in committee Thursday that Rucker's husband has been hospitalized and the family is asking for prayers. While the governor could not give his traditional state of the state address, he did deliver his $4.6 billion budget to the legislature. It's roughly at the same level as last year. 
Some of his priorities include pay raises to state employees, teachers, and service personnel that totals to $109 million. The governor is also looking at $41 million that will be dedicated to inmate medical care and $54 million to support a one-time 2.5% bonus for state employees to help against inflation. As of Friday, lawmakers in the House and Senate have introduced more than 980 bills so far. 18 of those bills passed out of the Senate on Wednesday and are already in the House for consideration. These 18 bills were passed out of the Senate last year, but were not taken up in the House. They include bills that relate to the Jump Start and Smart 529 education savings programs, disability services to dependents of military members, and increasing compensation of elected county officials. Since these bills passed unanimously or nearly unanimously in the upper chamber last year, the Senate can reintroduce them and suspend the constitutional rule that requires a bill to be read on three different days. While these 18 bills didn't spark any debate, some of the other hundreds of bills introduced this week did. The House Health Committee on the second day of the session considered House Bills 4004 and 4005. Both have to do with abortion. House Bill 4004 would prohibit an abortion after 15 weeks of gestation. House Bill 4005 would prohibit the sale, transfer, and transportation of fetal body parts. Both bills have been second referenced to the House Judiciary Committee. Another potentially contentious bill that was introduced would allow people with a concealed carry permit to carry a concealed firearm on college campuses. Senate Bill 87 would create the Campus Self-Defense Act. The legislature has tried for several years to pass a campus carry bill, but has failed. Law enforcement have voiced concerns in the past over the legislation. Some other bills worth watching this session are Senate Bill 1, which creates the Mining Mutual Insurance Company. This bill was introduced on behalf of the governor and would create a mutual insurance company for coal mine operators and coal mine reclamation bonds. And of course, the House and Senate Finance Committees have already begun working on their own proposed versions of the state budget. For the legislature today, I'm Liz McCormick. Thanks for that, Liz. Now we turn to an interview with the Republican leaders of both chambers. Reporter June Leffler spoke to House Speaker Roger Hanshaw and Senate President Craig Blair Wednesday to get their thoughts on the 2022 legislative session. Gentlemen, welcome. Thank you for joining us for our first broadcast. We're still in this pandemic. We've lost more than 5,000 fellow West Virginians, and this week the governor has tested positive. Uh, let's just start with some opening remarks from each of you about the toll this pandemic has had on West Virginia. Senator Blair, you can go first. Well, the toll on West Virginia, it's tough for me to describe that. Uh, there's been a, to, to some families, it's been immense, to others it has not. And, uh, it has changed our economic environment tremendously in the way the federal government has printed money and put that out there. Uh, but it's also given us an opportunity to uh, reevaluate how we go doing things in the state of West Virginia for that matter. I don't know how to better answer that question for you. 
Speaker Hanshaw, what would you say to that? Uh, sure, June. Well, the impact's been massive. We know that. It's, it's as the president said, the, 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 to the families who have lost loved ones as a result of this pandemic over the past two years, there can be no greater impact than having lost someone we care for. And the obvious economic impacts that the to heading into now the third year of a global pandemic has has wrought upon the state of West Virginia is is enormous to the tune of hundreds of millions if not billions of dollars and it's caused us to think about how we reinvent our economy here in West Virginia both in the short term and long term and Lastly, the impact of, of this past two years on public education is going to be felt for the next decade. Uh, I, have, I have two young children. My, my daughters are four and six years old. And watching the way that this pandemic's impacted their education in the public school system has even been tremendous. So I think we're likely to see the effects of this pandemic for, for decades, if not generations to come. And it's, it's caused many of us in the legislature to really pause and think about how do we use the opportunity we have in these 60 days to make sure we're responding not just in the immediate short term to the effects of this pandemic and things like uh, in, infusions of money for for COVID response directly but much longer term in terms of how do we deal with with the effects this pandemic's had on the public school system how do we deal with the effects this pandemic's had on our public health system in West Virginia how do we deal with our the situation that's that's arisen in hospitals now in our state so we're going to be dealing with this the aftermath of this pandemic for a long time but in the short term it's caused us to to, to to generally back up and ask, how do we take advantage of this 60 days to make life better for West Virginians? Thank you. How do you plan to keep your respective chambers safe and still conduct business in the next uh, 60 days um, with COVID happening? Uh, at what point would you even consider shutting things down? Hans Shaw, you can go ahead. Sure, I'll, I'll take that one first, June. Thanks for the question. So we have we have worked very hard to make sure that all members of the legislature and our staff, for that matter, who wish to be vaccinated have had the opportunity to not only get the vaccination, to get fully vaccinated, and to get a booster. And all, all who wish to do so have done that. And we've also stockpiled here in our chambers and in our facilities personal protective equipment in the form of hand sanitizer masks gloves for all of our members and staff who who, who want to take advantage of, of those resources and we've also stockpiled rapid test kits that that are available for members and staff in our our end of the building who think they've been exposed to coronavirus or feel symptomatic and just simply want to answer the question about their their COVID status to get that done immediately to to do a test in their office to take a take a test home and do a test at home and then stay home when they the result of that test comes back positive so we're we're putting all those resources in the hands of the members and our staff right now we have gone into this legislative session without a a without an expectation that everyone would wear masks because we do have full vaccination opportunity for all of our members but as we're going to monitor circumstances both in in our body of the legislature as well as the state as a whole over the course of the next 59 days we know that as circumstances change we may have to respond and react to it uh, we, we have we have members who who are absent today because they feel like they've been exposed to coronavirus and don't want to affect other members so we're, we expect to be dealing with this throughout the duration of the session but uh, sadly I think what we've experienced now is that we're headed towards a place where coronavirus and various COVID variants may end up becoming a fact of life for the foreseeable future. President Blair, how would you respond? Hanshaw mentioned that, you know, there are already 
some lawmakers that have been absent this first day um, because of COVID. Uh, give me your take on what you would do in your chamber. Well, I'm going to echo what the speaker just got done saying. We work together uh, along with the governor's office and being able to control what takes place in our chambers and in the building. Uh, we're in, as far as I'm concerned, relatively good shape uh, from that standpoint. Now, got to go a little bit further than that. Uh, we're going to be adopting the rule tomorrow. That'll be just like last year where we'll be able to have proxy voting. Uh, we've got an electronic set up over here so that you can actually use Teams of and communicate with the public right now you can testify from place, any place in the world of in our committee rooms uh, and then if a member would have COVID of uh, that they, they can do proxy voting that's set up we had that last year we're mimicking everything that we did last year uh, for that matter and I can't think of anything other than not requiring a mask mandate of wanted to, that everything else is the same and we had people that were missing last year because of COVID. It, it's just one of those things it's a fact of life and if I if I may I want to get ready and thank all the people that go to work out there every day whether it's in our school systems whether it's in our grocery stores doctor's offices yeah the first responders that's for sure uh, all these people have been out here going to work we are leading by example by doing exactly the same thing the state's not shutting down. The economy's not shutting down. We're moving forward, whether there's COVID or whether there's not. Uh, and we're adapting. The speaker was exactly right uh, from the standpoint of being able to adapt into the future. And our education, again, he was spot on. It's given us an opportunity of here. And, you know, I, I sound maybe a little bit coarse because I do value life. Uh, but it's given the West Virginia an opportunity to move forward into the 21st century, make the changes that we need to to have a better outcome for on almost every level that we deal with, whether it's in government, whether it's in the education system, whether it's in health care. These things are changing in the state of West Virginia. And COVID, you could almost say it's COVID-inspired. Thank you. In this week's special session, both chambers approved spending more than $300 million to help bring a still plant to Mason County in the name of economic growth. Uh, the governor says this plan could bring in billions of dollars in revenue, but any investment carries a risk of failure. How confident are you in this project? President Blair, you can go first. Thank you. I am 1,000% confident and this being a great investment for the state of West Virginia. Uh, their $2.7 billion uh, investment is going to be huge for Mason County. It's going to be huge for West Virginia. Uh, I predict that you're going to see further investments that are going to take place. Look, today's been a wonderful day for that matter. We've had three companies uh, that have announced, and by the way, that really wasn't by design. I'm glad it is. Uh, it used to be of a decade ago, you'd see announcements like this taking place around Election Day. That's not the case anymore. The case, if anything, it's happened at the beginning of this session, and we really didn't coordinate to have that. It just happened that way. Uh, but it's a momentum driver. It's a momentum driver to make it so that those of us in the legislature and the executive's office that we're working together to be able to make it so that we got gainful employment opportunities for our people. Uh, Nucor gave a million dollars to the Mason County Schools today. I've seen a check written for that out there. That's huge. These people are going to come to our state and participate in our state and make it 
great again. Uh, I know that sounds like a Trump slogan, uh, but it's the truth. It's the absolute truth. And the governor did a wonderful job in, in the people working in his office to be able to bring them here. And there's going to be many more to follow. Speaker Hanshaw, do you have any follow-up? I have a lot of follow-up, Judith. First of all, thanks for the question. So this, this point really has to be hammered home to all viewers because we've all seen some of those announcements in the past that have not evolved into any, anything meaningful. And I want to assure every listener, every viewer, that this is not that. What we're talking about is a company with a market cap of $23 billion with 28,000 employees with over 300 facilities operating in over 40 states in this country. We are, I said on a program earlier this week, we aren't talking about investing in two men in a truck here with this investment. We're talking about investing in a Fortune 150 company coming here to West Virginia to invest close to $3 billion and hire close to 900 West Virginians. Everything that we've tried to do for the past seven years culminates in this announcement, culminates in these events this week. So we're excited about this. This is just what we hope to be the first of many, and it's a validation of the fact that we are in the economic development game with every other state in America. I want to add a little bit more to that. and I want to speak to the people in West Virginia. Don't be scared of prosperity. And dream big. Dream big. We have the opportunities right now to move forward, and, with the, and this is just the beginning of, of what's going on. We've been doing a tremendous amount of work over the last seven years to be able to locate, and it actually goes back further than that. Wouldn't be happening if we wouldn't have fixed workers' comp. Wouldn't be happening if we wouldn't have uh, redone our pensions and put that in place. No company is ever going to come locate in a state like that. We're in our third year of a flatline budget right now, and, I, and to, when the flatline budget means zero growth in it. So the spend it or lose it mentality is gone. I'm anticipating there's going to be a, a fourth year. We haven't got the governor's budget yet, uh, but it's a big deal, ladies and gentlemen. We're getting it right. We're putting the resources where we need to to be able to attract the business, to have the jobs. And then when you've got a greater tax base, and that's what we're growing here is a tax base. It makes it so that we got a better education system. We got a better health care system. Everybody wins the game rather than fighting over a shrinking piece of pie. That's what went on for decades here, and it has stopped. We are growing that pie, and Nucor is going to come here and help us tremendously. And June, as a point of further reassurance, I hate to—I don't want to belabor this point, but it, it bears making it for all the viewers and all the listeners. But we have seen circumstances in the past in which the state of West Virginia has expended resources, as I said, for facilities that didn't materialize and didn't develop. Realize the structure of this transaction is such that the company has to reach in its pocket and spend $500 million of its money, $500 million of its money, before any of the incentives that were approved by the legislature this week are triggered. It has to then reach in its pocket and spend another $250 million, bringing us close to a billion-dollar investment in West Virginia before any of the investments or, I'm sorry, any of the incentives offered by this legislature this week are triggered. So we're going to see substantial and lasting investment by Nucor in West Virginia before, any, before $1 of the incentives enacted this week become available. Thank you, gentlemen. And so let's talk about the session. What are your legislative priorities and what will make this a successful session in your mind? 
Uh, Speaker Hanshaw, you can go first. Sure. So, uh, June, I, I run for public office and, and continue to run for public office. I, I ran in the first instance on a platform of economic development and job creation in West Virginia. I, have, I am a West Virginian by choice. I live here because I want to. I want to make it possible for other people to choose to live here because they want to. That, that's, that's what drives me. That's what motivates me to continue to do this job. And I think for many members of the legislature, that answer would be the same. So I think you'll see this year the House of Delegates make a priority out of bills that that make it easier to situate facilities like Nucor, like Green Power, which we haven't discussed yet, but also announced its intention to locate to West Virginia here at the Capitol today. Uh, make it easier for those facility for those companies to choose West Virginia with with sites that are readily readily prepared for immediate and and instantaneous investment. So some of our members have worked with the Department of Economic Development, the Department of Commerce over the off what we call the off season here, the spring and the summer and the fall of last year, leading up to this session on a site development, site preparation bill. We expect to move on that very early this year in the legislative session. We we are interested in doing everything we can to continue to use our natural resources wisely in West Virginia. And what I specifically mean by that is that for years our our coal resources in West Virginia have have filled the coffers of the state treasury, but they've generated significant what we call coal refuse, coal waste here in West Virginia. It turns out that research now shows that that refuse can be one of the world's greatest treasure troves of what's called rare earth elements and the rare earth minerals that are derived from them. Those are the compounds that we use to make cell phones, that we use to make MRI machines, that we use to make high-end medical devices. And this, the vast majority of the world's global supply on the market of those compounds today is sourced from China. And we know that's a national security problem. If we, if, if we look at the, the, the status of global politics today, it doesn't. It doesn't take long reading the, the news and watching the watching the evening news to realize that we don't want to rely upon Chinese supplies of anything for for future economic opportunities here in our state. So we expect to advance a bill that makes it easier to develop those resources here in West Virginia. We we expect to to to, to remove all barriers to investment in that space just as quickly as possible, and and continue down the path toward making it easy to start a business here in the state. President Blair, what will make a, su a successful session for you? Well, a successful session will be where the House and the Senate and the Governor's Office, we all work together to be able to promote the state of West Virginia. And, and that's from every aspect of we need to be an all of the above energy state. Of, and to make no mistake about it, when I say that, so don't anybody get uh, concerned about my support for coal because coal is basically a battery it provides the base load energy that we need to have for national security and for productivity and prosperity not just in the state of west virginia but in this country and um, so but we need to remove the nuclear moratorium uh, one of the questions that was asked by me uh, with nucor uh, was why do you have a ban on nuclear and if a company like that's going to ask that question, then I don't want that to be the same of questions that have been asked in the past of that made it so the companies just didn't even look at the state of West Virginia, didn't want to give us an opportunity for their facilities to locate here. And frankly, we've lost many businesses over decades because of the fact that we were so exclusionary and, or, and it was not cost-effective for a business to be able to operate here. No wonder our best and brightest and our youth have been leaving by droves of in this state. We're going to turn all that around. 
Uh, but, and, you know, I made a comment whenever I first became Senate president, I wanted 400,000 people to move here in the next 10 years. Well, we've already went past one year, uh, and that's turning right now. We are fifth, uh, according to United Van Lines, of people. We had over 2,000-some people move in rather than move out of the state. So we were fifth in the nation on that one. But it goes further than that. We get to, when you do all these things that we're doing here, you get a better education. You get a better education. You have job opportunities to go along with that. The teachers get paid more. We're able to keep our youth here. The youth here then have babies. Right now, they move to Charlotte or, or wherever for gainful employment and have their families there. There's not a better place in the whole world than the state of West Virginia right now to raise a family. But you got to have job opportunities. And for so long, we've been hemorrhaging those. And the tide has turned because of the work that we've done. I keep pressing this. The work that we've done over the last seven years. It is a big, big deal to the people. And we're going to keep moving forward. And, and to, for example, today I passed out 18 bills. First day of the session. And uh, everybody was coming up and said, we've never done anything like this before. Well, you're right. Uh, but the fact of the matter is, those bills passed last year, made it to the House, and for one reason or another, whether it's time constraints, whatever it may be, but we've already sent those bills back to the House of Delegates, and I would encourage the House to do the same thing. We keep getting better at what we do. It was over 83 years before the Republicans took control in this state, and now that we've got it, we're working for the people to make their lives better. Gentlemen, thank you for coming on to this show. I look forward to seeing you during the rest of the session. Thank you. That was June Leffler speaking with House Speaker Roger Hanshaw and Senate President Craig Blair. Next Friday, we'll have more news and interviews from the 2022 legislative session. But remember, West Virginia Public Broadcasting is covering the session daily in our radio news program, West Virginia Morning, and on our new site at wpublic.org. We also broadcast the daily floor sessions of both the House and the Senate on the West Virginia Channel, and we stream those on our website as well. And then, of course, the legislature today is simulcast on both television and radio every Friday night at 6. I'm Eric Douglas. For everyone here at West Virginia Public Broadcasting, thanks for joining us and have a great weekend. Support for the legislature today is provided by Marshall University, with more than 100 degree programs offered in four locations and online. More about the Marshall family at marshall.edu. Segra, providing fiber-based communication solutions. Segra, freedom to grow. More information at segra.com.